0: You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Northeast. I'm excited to finish up our series, Drift. And when Monty asked me to go ahead and close this out, I was excited because he wanted me to talk about relational Drift, And I love the subject matter that we're coming in contact with. And I love Hebrews too. The book is great and I like it for three reasons. One, my college, the college president where I went to, undergrad work, he actually wrote a commentary on Hebrews. And he's a phenomenal guy. Actually had him autograph my copy. And every time I see it on my bookshelf, just have fond memories of this book. So I love it for that reason. Also, we all know someone who likes to talk Bible. And in the talk... Sometimes, maybe you've done this yourself, I have, you'll say, well, it it says it in there somewhere, and then you throw something out there, right? You can actually read that statement in Hebrews twice. Once in chapter 2, once in chapter 4, the author says, it's written somewhere in there that this, 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 and this, and I love the humanity of that, but the third reason is that this book was written to a group of Christians that had never seen Jesus but they had heard about him. They had learned about his teaching and they were trying to put it into practice and see what it means for their lives. And that's just like you and me. We've never seen the dude, we've never seen the guy, but we've heard about him and we're learning about him. And we're trying to see what his teaching means for our lives and how it should play out. So when you bring that into the idea of relational drift, it's really insightful. And my wife, Michelle, oh, she does not do relational drift. She leverages every opportunity she can to lean into someone's life. Uh, we were at Applebee's a couple of weeks ago with the Canables, Lauren and Josh. We're having a great time. And the server comes over and she is big on building into the server. She wants the server, the waiter, whoever it is, to really feel like a person, valued not like an object so she's striking up small small talk and all this jazz and it ends up in the conversation that the guy's a singer so it's about right now we're about three weeks four weeks out from our anniversary this was about three weeks ago three or four weeks ago the guy starts singing to us and he sings this happy anniversary song and the whole lunch ends with us taking pictures with the guy and everything like that all because she doesn't do relational drift so the text that we've been weaving week in and week out from this series is Hebrews chapter, one, chapter two, verse one, and it reads, we must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. When you read through Hebrews, and some of you have read through the entire book, when you read through it, the Hebrew author has this structure or this strategy he uses when he's writing. He'll talk a lot about Jesus or he'll try to illustrate who Jesus really is, or he'll build on some point centered around Jesus, and then he'll talk about what that means for us. So chapter two, verse one, he says, therefore, you don't want to drift away because of the entirety of chapter one, he's been illustrating that this guy we've never seen, but we've heard about him, we're learning about him. This guy is far superior than the angels or the old way of doing things. He is God's son. So we've got to be careful and pay even more attention to what he has to say well michelle's idea of building into this waiter this text it all kind of coalesced with me a few days ago i was preparing for this sermon and doing some of my quiet time my personal devotional time and i come across one of my favorite texts in the new testament which is second timothy or first timothy chapter four and he simply writes these words fully carry out the ministry God has given you and I started thinking about that where am I most prone to drop the ball in carrying out my ministry and thinking about Michelle and Applebee's with the waiter thinking about not drifting away Monty asking me to teach on relational drift and I thought that's it I'm most prone to drop the ball and not fully carry out my ministry relationally And when you think about what goes on at work or what goes on in public, what happens in church or in the home, sometimes there's relational drift. The word drift actually means to slip, to slip in or to slip through or to slip by. The idea is that there's this current and it takes you past a destination, And when the Hebrew author's writing, it's a destination of duty or responsibility. In other words, life can start taking us adrift on this current, and before we know it, we're out here, and we're no longer fully carrying out our ministry. We've drifted beyond where we should be. You think about what goes on at work, in public, church, home. It's so easy. So my question to you this morning will be, What's slipping in or through or by? What's the rhythm or current of life that's moving you beyond where you really need to be? I see it happening at work. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Jesus and what he says about work. And then we're going to tag on what the Hebrew author would say. We'll talk about Jesus and then the Hebrew author, just like he wrote the letter to the Hebrews. We'll do the same thing. Focus on Jesus and then pay more careful attention to what that means and how it should play out in our lives. Sound good? So when you think about work, when you think about work and relational drift, what slips in? Jesus told this story about a guy who went out really early in the morning really early in the morning said, hey, I need some work done. Here's what it pays. Do you want the job? And they're like, yeah. So they're doing the work. Jesus goes out a little later, hires some more people, a little later, hires some more people, later, hires some more people. And then he goes in before the work's just about done. And he gets another crew, brings them in. And then they get the work done. And at the end of the day, it's payday. And Jesus pays everybody the same. Do you remember that story? He pays everyone the same. The people who worked all day and the people who worked just a few hours, they all got paid the same. Well, this didn't set right with the people who are involved in the story. So when the story's ending, Matthew chapter 20, verse 15, we read, they were jealous. So Jesus said, hey, should you be jealous because I'm kind to other people? And they're like, yes, we should, because this isn't fair. Several years ago, I worked at a comprehensive care center and I was being conditioned to take over the supervisor position with a program that they had, loved the work. Worked with some people with special needs. Beautiful people. Beautiful. I was there when, when I was like 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, something like that in that age dream, And it really shaped my psyche, my philosophy of life. Beautiful work. Well, I was being conditioned for this position as program director. And I'd been there about five years. And then I got word that a couple of my colleagues who had been there for only two years... They were making, when it all shook out, they were making three bucks an hour more than I was making. And I was jealous. And I was hurt. And it was a problem. Now by a show of hands, to whom should I speak about that? Should I have have talked to my colleagues about it or my supervisor? Should I talk to the colleagues? Supervisor? Yeah, you got it. But you know what happened? And isn't this just humanity? by default when something's not fair when you're jealous or you're hurt i put the target on the back of my colleagues and relational drift set in i didn't talk to my supervisor but inside of me inside of me changed and the drift started happening at work now some of you You feel that the workplace is where you are to fully carry out your ministry. You know the people with which you work, and you know that that is your area. That's where you take the gospel. You clock in, not as just an employee there. You clock in as a Christ follower. The workplace for you is where you fully carry out your ministry. And then something unfair happens. And there's frustration. And something slips in. And the drift starts happening. So the Hebrew author would say, chapter, 10, or chapter six, verse 10, hey, God's not, ju- not unjust. I know your boss can be, the work environment can be, but God's not unjust. And he will not forget your work that you put into fully carrying out your ministry when you're at the office. He's not gonna forget that. He'll not forget the love you have shown him as you've helped his people and you continue to help them, when we build into what God is calling us to do, he's not unjust, even when something slips in. And you know the old phrase, right? When you're hurt, what do hurt people do? Hurt people, they hurt people. So the check-in for you this morning is, those of you who you really believe, you know what? My workplace at work that's where i'm called to fully carry out my my ministry what's slipping in is there anything slipping in there that's causing relational drift between you and the people you're trying to reach or minister to is there a relational drift a current that's taking you away from your destination but it's not just work it's the public too It's the public. You know, they had this custom back in the day of Jesus, and when Jesus was walking around as a rabbi, a teacher, um, he was not supposed to speak to females at all. No interaction with women, especially, especially a Samaritan woman who would be classified as a sinner. Now pause that for a second. There's this portion of. New Circle Road, that if you're driving this one direction, on the right, there's this building. And I don't want to describe it in too much detail. You'll get the picture. I think it's kind of shaped like a castle. And I believe the entrance is actually facing away from the road. And it's a certain type of club. Well, on their marquee, we were driving by there last week, interesting wording. Said, sin Sunday coming up. Sin Sunday. And underneath it said, free entrance with your sin card. Free entrance with your sin card. So Jesus is talking with this lady and you find out that she's got a sin card and she swiped it several times. And he's conversing with her. He's building this relationship, but that was totally against the custom. And I know some of you, I know some of you feel that you're supposed to fully carry out your ministry in public. You look at what's going on in society, in this area, in Lexington. And some of us, we see, oh, I don't want any part of that. And then some of you are like, there's the mission field right there. That's where I belong. And that's Jesus' take on this. So his disciples, they're back in town running a few errands and all that. And Jesus is building this relationship with this gal. Then they return. And you know what the response is? John chapter 4, verse 27 Just then, his disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking to this woman. Talking to a woman, and then they find out it's a Samaritan woman. And they're shocked. I think we develop our own cultural custom through the church. And it's odd when you think about it. It's really odd. You can see someone who's swiping their sin guard. And for some reason, maybe it's due to the drama or whatever occurs, we want to put some distance between us and that person. And it kind of makes sense, and then it kind of doesn't. So the Hebrew author would come along, chapter 12, verse 1, and he would say, maybe this is where we get a little twisty with it. Let us throw off everything that hinders, and let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles. And maybe that's it. Maybe we see people out in public getting tangled up in sin. You see them swiping their sin card and you see the destruction it's bringing. So it's like, you know what? I don't want to deal with that. I don't have time. What happens? That area in which you should fully carry out your ministry, something slipped in and now there's relational drift occurring. So what about you? You who see the public at, that's your mission field? Is there anything slipping in that's causing that drift in your life? And maybe you saw in the news there was a really famous comedian actor who got entangled in some stuff going on this past week. Someone's trying to extort a bunch of money from him for some stuff that he shouldn't have been involved in. Did you see any of that? He put a really neat statement in an article I read about it. And here's his quote. He said, I put myself in an environment where only bad things can happen and they did. When bad things are happening because somebody swipes the sin card, you can see what's going on in their lives and when the bad things play out, they need someone. They need someone there. They need our prayers. They need our time. They need our attention. And some of you, who are to fully carry on ministry, you get that. You get that. Uh, and let, me, let me add one more thing to this. I want you to read sometime later, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Read the whole section. I'm just going to pluck out a verse from it here in just a moment. But I want you to read the whole section because I think as a whole, not Northeast, but the whole as a church, we flip this. And we get it, it's, we get it inverted and we miss the point. But when you start putting relational drift between yourself And the public, who can the public lean on? Who can they go to? And what happens is that as we slip away from them, what slips in? This idea of judgment. And it's so easy for the church to look out of its doors and see people getting entangled in sin and to place judgment on that. Instead of allowing Jesus to jolt us from the inside out so that we can see how we can move the gospel forward in their lives. So Paul gets this, First Corinthians 5, he says, hey, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? God will take care of that. That's not my business. But when you see someone entangled in sin, they're swiping that card, I can kind of get it. really don't want to be a part of that. But what slips in is this idea that I can cast judgment when really I need to be carrying out the full responsibilities of my ministry in this area. Relational drift drift can also happen in the church, which is kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? I mean, relational drift in the church. That doesn't make sense because at its core, at its core, Christianity is relational. Christianity is all about relationships with God and with each other. That's what Christianity is. But we've got this great story that's going on with Jesus. And what's really neat if you read just what happened before it, there's some people who are casting out demons and doing some miracles in the name of Jesus and they're actually killing it. They're doing really well. They're succeeding. They're making it happen. And then the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, hey, 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 we saw someone doing some really cool stuff and they were tagging your name onto it. We told them to cut it out. You know that story? Mark chapter nine, verse 38. So John said, hey, we saw someone using your name to force demons out of a person. And we told them to stop. Why? Because he does not belong to our group. We told him to stop because he doesn't belong to our our group. But Jesus said, "Don't stop the guy. Because anyone who uses my name to do powerful things will not easily say evil things about me. Whoever is not against us is with us because he's not part of our group." Isn't that crazy? And how destructive is that for a church? I mean, can you imagine how silly it would be for us to suggest, you know that group in West Virginia? What are we calling them? City church? You know, they're not part of our group. So just just calm it down, boys. What what's going on in Michigan? The Lakes Church? Well, they're no longer part of our group. And when you look at Northeast, or you look at City Church, or you look at the lakes, you've got three different dynamics going on. How silly would it be for us to suggest that one of those three is wrong because they're doing it a little differently. So Jesus says, no, 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 no. They're using my name to carry this out. I had coffee with a young man. He moved here from Arkansas. He's a student at Transy. Had coffee with him Thursday. Oh my. God is so involved in this young man's heart and mind. If you look at our faith backgrounds, they're different. They're different. Both Christian, but different ways of doing church, if you will. Look at our backgrounds, they're different. But when I left him, I was driving down the road and I had to pray. I had to say, God... It is so obvious to me that you have your hand on this man's life and you're directing him and you're guiding him. Show me how I can help. How can I join what you're already doing? Now, he's not part of my group. But heaven forbid that I chastise him. And how silly would it be for City Church or the Lakes to look at us and say, no, 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 not like that. Not like that. Relational drift. What slips into a church It causes people to drift apart? Bonus verse for this little section. Paul gets this. Paul gets this. Our Sophia, our nine-year-old, she was reading to Bella, our baby, a few days ago. And I know she was reading this story from a princess book. And she kept reading. She kept reading. And this lasted about 30 minutes. And I'm finally thinking, yes, something's clicking. She's getting it. So she reads to Bella for about a half hour. Afterwards, I go to her and I say, Sophie, I just wanna say thank you for being such a great big sister. Thank you for loving on Bella. You're leading her well. She's gonna learn to look to you later on in life for advice and guidance. You'll be able to be there for her. You're building into her so well right now. Thank you. And as I was talking, I was remembering, you know what, that's not the first time. Actually, I remember Sophie reading to her when we were driving in our car. And I remember Sophie reading to her before bedtime. Actually, this has been going on. Yes! It's clicking, right? So I'm like, Sophie, thank you. And she says, you're welcome, Daddy. But actually, I'm doing all this reading for her because if I read to her, I'm able to check it off on my checklist at school. And if I check off a certain amount, I get this really cool prize. Oh, okay. All right, yeah parent fail right but what sophie does didn't realize is that even though she had a selfish ambition in reading to her sister she was creating a more meaningful mood in the family there was good happening that was outside of her control Just the fact that she was taking those steps, even though for her they weren't the right reasons, what she was doing, God was using to create something good. The Apostle Paul gets this. Philippians chapter 1, notice his language here. He says, Yeah, it's true. Some preach Christ because they are jealous and ambitious, but others preach Christ because they want to help. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The important thing is that in every way, whether for right or wrong reasons, they're preaching about Christ because when you preach about Christ, you're preaching about the living and active word of God. And when that message goes forth, it changes things. It creates a different mood, a more meaningful mood. It impacts people. It transforms people. Even if the speaker has impure motives, something else is going on that's out of their control and God uses that. And Paul sees this. So relational drift happens in the church when followers of Jesus Christ allow criticism to slip in and say, you know what? You're not part of my group. You're not part of my group. That's a no-no. The Hebrew author would say this, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us think about each other. If you read through your New Testament, I'm not talking about the Gospels or Acts or Revelation, but if you look at the letters, if you look at the letters when you read through the New Testament, have you ever noticed how nearly every single letter begins with, hey, Paul or James or John or Peter, a servant of Jesus, thinking about you? Just writing to let you know I've been praying for you? Just writing to let you know, I'm thinking about what God's doing in your group, and I'm on your side. Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. You should not stay away from the church meetings, as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more as you see the day approaching when Jesus will return and take us to eternity. In light of that day, we're thinking about each other. We're helping each other, we're encouraging each other. We're not criticizing each other because someone's not part of our group. That's relational drift. The relational drift also happens at home. So what does Jesus say about it? John 10:10. 10, 10. And this is the cornerstone of this conference or whatever you wanna call it, fiercely fulfilled that we're doing. John 10, 10, Jesus says, I came so that everyone would have life and have it in its fullest. This isn't some health and wealth teaching. This is the idea that fulfillment, fulfillment is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. It's where you allow God to do a work in your heart and in your mind and change you from the inside out where you're open to Him and you see that, oh, I never would have believed it, but God does have a calling on my life. God does love me. God has wired me to fully carry out my ministry. He's given me a ministry. He wants to use me, not just allow me to float away or drift he wants me to be fulfilled and i tell you michelle and i have developed this fiercely fulfilled thing over 16 years over 16 years in the making and we're thinking about so many people i'm talking husbands wives parents talking children teenagers are walking around unfulfilled fulfillment's not having everything you want whenever you want it but it's being in tune with who you are What God is wanting to do in your life and fully carrying that out. I meet with people all the time, adults, 40, 50, 60 years old. They say, I just don't know who I am. In every relationship I've had, when I was a kid and even in my marriage, I've never been allowed to be me. You would not believe how common that is. I see parents, and this drives me nuts. I understand that teenagers can be weird. I get that, I get that. What I don't get is when parents or other adults suggest that that's gonna be the worst time of a kid's life. I don't buy that, I don't believe it. I hate that TV shows portray that, but I do not buy that at all. So what happens? Teenagers, they're detached from their moms and dads and who's fulfilled? No one. So what do we do about it? We've got to do something. Or when you think about discipline, parents discipline their children, I see this all the time as well, discipline becomes a form of punishment. That's all it is. Punishment. And you know punishment, it's, it's established, it's rooted in revenge. You made me feel a certain way, you did something to me, so I have to do something to you. We want to empower parents to teach in disciplinary moments empower them to not be frustrated and so react to their children but to think about really what's going on in this moment and to be empowered to carry out the right form of discipline depending on who it is you've got husbands and wives and there's a relational drift and you know why because it's so much easier to stuff my emotions I stuff the way I feel because it's easier and I already know how he or she is going to respond. There's no reason for me to just put it out there. They never listen anyway. So we've got an opportunity to learn practical conflict resolution skills. And you think about money. I know it fractures relationships. I know, I know it can happen, but it doesn't have to. It can be a meaningful factor In your relationship. And what we've learned is that the idea of family, oh, it's shifting, isn't it? It's shifting. So what do we do? What do we do? Do we allow that shift to slip in and put relational drift between us? No. Don't allow the current to take you away, whatever it is. So we're not creating this event for mom, dad, two children, a dog and a cat. Nobody likes cats anyway. We're not doing that that's not what it's for we're talking about marriage yeah and we're talking about family so what does your family look like what does your family look like the people under your roof what does it look like maybe we've got a grandparent with a couple of grandkids that's family we need you at this event what happens when you got newlyweds and they're so excited about life and then life kicks in and the drift happens we're talking for you we want you at this event we need you at this event people who have been married for 30 years we need you Michael Hyatt wrote this book Living Forward and the subtitle says A Proven Plan to Stop Drifting and I don't know if it has all the answers but I do know he gets a couple of things right here and I want to read them to you if I can find them I had my place and now I don't this is awkward but he says about drifting whoever's in your family in your house whoever it is whatever makes up your family is fulfillment there if not maybe it's because you look around in your home and you see a lot of unhappy people who don't have a clue on how you ended up this way and this way is not fun And maybe it's because deep down inside, you know you're drifting through life and there's no clear direction. You know one of the best gifts you can give your children? A sense of self and direction. It's a game changer. Maybe it's because life is more complicated than they initially thought. You don't know what to do. We can help you. Maybe it's because life is not turning out like they had hoped and you're looking to get it back on track because you know there's something still there. We don't need to end this thing. We need to fix it. Maybe it's because, and I deal with this so much, people are in their 40s, 50s, or 60s, and they can't believe life still looks like this. This is an opportunity to move forward in your marriage or in your family. Now, the Hebrew author would say it like this, chapter 13, verse 4. He would say, marriage should res- be respected by everyone. But, elephant in the room, it's not. You know that. It's not. I'm a stat too, so no judgment here. I told you before, I walked across a stage to receive my high school diploma and shook the principal and superintendent's hand. I did so as a father. I'm a statistic, teenage dad, not married. Marriage doesn't get respected and that idea of respect means you value it. It's a value. But maybe you found yourself in a situation because marriage wasn't respected, it wasn't valued and now life is like this. October 14th is for you to tap into a way to experience that fulfillment that Jesus Christ offers you. You think of work or the public, or church or home things slip in and they can cause relational drift one of the remedies is some of the conflict some of this the disruptions you will experience and maybe are experiencing a couple of weeks ago there was a couple that came by our church and i believe fully that god led them to our place you know that during business hours, we keep the external doors of this place locked. Well, on this one particular day, this man, this woman and this baby, they come up to our doors and they pull and you know what, it opens and they come in. They meet up with me and uh, Reggie asks if I can help out and I've got a slammed schedule that day and my schedule's disrupted but I decided to meet with them and I learned that they're a displaced family from Texas because of the flooding. And they're trying to make a straight shot to New Jersey where there's family and they've lost everything. You can tell by the clothes they have on, this is all they've got. And they have this beautiful baby. She's nine months old, olive skin, dark black hair, gorgeous. I'm learning their story and I asked, I said to this mom, I said, can I hold your baby? She says, yeah, and I hold her, and I'm like, oh, maybe one more. Maybe just one more. I don't know. I don't know. Rocking her. Gosh, she was beautiful. And I'm listening to them, and shame on me. Shame on me because this family's displaced, and my schedule's a little disrupted. Shame on me. And it would have been so easy to allow relational drift to slip in in that context. But I tell you, and you're not surprised at this, I'm sure, because when it comes to Northeast Christian Church, we have servants here. And I admire your servant's heart. But within a matter of five or 10 minutes, a team was organized with no real structure behind it. It turned into me holding a baby and then Reggie, searching for a way to help with with gas. 'Cause their van out of gas, needed alignment, brakes were shot, and I think they needed a new tire. Before I know it, Hope Bertram's involved, and you know when she gets involved in something, things happen, right? And then Sherry Hurley is doing some stuff, and that extends to John Saran I know I pronounced his last name wrong. He's in the mix. As the day unfolds, it extends to Julie Percival and a few other people getting involved and eventually The van gets totally fixed. We get them filled up on gas. They've got a hotel. They can wash up, change, rest, take care of the babies. And the very next morning, they can be on their way. It was beautiful to see that occurring. And it was in a context, it was in a moment where anything could have slipped in, caused people to drift apart. But through people saying, you know what, I'm here. And I'm going to carry out the full, full responsibility of my ministry. Something phenomenal occurred. That's beautiful. So at work, in public, in church, or at home, what's slipping in? What current's taking you away from the people that you really need to be there for? God in heaven, thank you. Thank you for loving us so deeply, so dearly, and showing us how to remedy relational drift. Thank you for giving each and every one of us a ministry to fully carry out. We want to ask for supernatural strength and wisdom and perseverance to do that so that whatever is slipping in will not be destructive it will not be destructive at work in public at church or at home but we will be people even though our lives are disrupted who put together the necessary team or factors so that we can drift toward one another, not away. We love you, God, and thank you for the good work you're doing in our lives. And to that end, we pray and we praise you through the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you need to talk, you need prayer, you need anything, I'll be down here to your right. I'd love to speak with you.